Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, hello, you exceptional human being. Thank you so much for joining me on another episode. It is such a privilege and an honor to be with you. I hope that wherever you are in the world that you're having an amazing day, that you feel loved, supported, and awesome. And if not, or even if so, I'm sending you tons of love and energy and uh, support through the airwaves for wherever you are in the world. Thank you so much for joining me. We have an amazing podcast for you today. We have got the man, Joe Williams, and we've entitled this one, Key Principles for Living Your Life's Purpose and Experiencing Miracles. So Joe has been in personal development forever. Uh, he is the man. This, this episode is full of so many amazing tips and uh tactics and useful information. So we talk about key principles for living and finding your life's purpose. That's useful. Uh, recognize what you don't want and what you do want, the, the importance of that. The work of Byron Katie, uh, manifestations are non-negotiable. So we get into that and it'll we'll explain more. Um, using the third pillar of the unexplainable. So he goes into these pillars. Um, it, there's so much great stuff. Uh, we talk about the power of writing goals, uh, why meditation is important, the most important question you can ask. Uh, the work of uh, Robert Cialdini, Ryan Holiday, um, experiencing miracles, the power of the human body, and exploring the nature of consciousness and reality. So this is an action-packed episode. I know you're going to love it. If you want to support the show, share this episode. That helps a lot. But the most important thing you can do is do one act of kindness today for someone else. Just get someone's name, listen to them, uh, let someone in in traffic, pick up a piece of trash, uh, pay it forward for a coffee, anything. Do one act of kindness and you're getting the idea of this podcast the best idea is to do three acts of kindness don't tell anybody and don't expect anything in return do that for a week and you will get a universal spiritual wink i assure you something weird will happen uh, to let you know that that's it that's how you become a spiritual master instantly three acts of kindness a day don't expect anything in return go out of your way to do it so please do that um, if you want to support the show in other ways like patreon that would be really great because it helps me do my thing um, and i want to thank dina Thank you so much for taking an action, going to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, hooking me up on Patreon. Thank you so much who all of you, all of my patrons, all of you who support my work, all of you who have left a review um, or shared an episode or talked about the podcast or talked about an episode. Thank you so much. Um, this review by Leon Jones is epic. It's nice and short and sweet. It says, thank you, Matt, for all you do. Another great episode. Amazing that I found out about you at this crazy time in my life. You are a big help. So thank you so much, Leon, for writing that review. Please take a moment to do that if you haven't yet, because what that does is inspire other people to listen to the podcast if you find it valuable and if you want to support. Um, I really do appreciate that. Um, 
What else do I got to say? Um, check out my Zen Athlete book. I always forget to plug that. I wrote a book. It is a guide to self-mastery. Uh, you do not need to be an athlete. You could be a musician. Please get this in the hands of kids. I'll send out free ebooks. I don't care. Um, this is all for the kids. But as an adult, if you apply these principles of self-mastery and what it takes to be a world-class athlete to anything you do in your life, you're going to achieve your goals a lot quicker and a lot faster and learn the techniques of high performers um, and history's greatest athletes and minds and everything that I've learned in consciousness and spirituality. For those of you guys who want some coaching and you are very serious about leveling up, I'm doing two things. I'm doing heart hypnosis activations. Uh, I can do hypnosis and guided visualizations, shamanic death rituals, all that kind of stuff. They're very powerful experiences and also one-on-one coaching. So if you're looking to you know, create, design, and live a life that you're proud of, it's, it's one part designing that life from your heart and it's another part how to navigate going through life, what you can control, what you can't control. So it's really like Zen mastery mixed with peak performance mixed with living with your heart. And if you're really interested in leveling up, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. And I'm super excited to help you out, to help you level up, to help you have more passion, enthusiasm, and love in your life. Um, all of that kind of good stuff. Um, what else am I? Oh, go to uh, mattbelair.com, sign up for the email list. That's important. Uh, I have a free lucid dreaming there as well if you go to uh, lucid dreaming. And um, what else? Oh, yeah, David Lombear, Senapass, the Native American elder who had the privilege and honor of being with all summer. Please support him. Go over to Lombear's words. Um, he has incredible technology, incredible teachings, and we do need support. We're looking at putting another balloon into space. And um, the inventions and other things that he can do with a little bit of support are pretty amazing. So I am helping him as much as I can to get the word out. We're working with uh, Zuni elder Clifford Mahuti as well to bring out this 20,000 year old knowledge. Um, so that's it. Um, I think, uh, yeah. So let's just get into this episode because it's epic. You're going to love it. And before we do, let's come into a powerful state of peace and coherence wherever you are. So wherever you are in the world, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Just coming to total peace and presence now, allowing all the tasks and stresses of the day to just fade as you breathe out slowly, feeling totally peaceful and calm just for the moment now. Taking in another deep breath in through your nose and just focusing on one thing that you're grateful for, just one thing in your life that you are grateful for. Maybe it's your eyesight, your house, your job, a mate, just something you're grateful for. Feeling that gratitude and letting that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking in one more deep breath in through the nose as you continue to focus on this gratitude and amplify that feeling. I'm sending you all of my love, my energy, my support, my well wishes, my encouragement, inspiration, um, support for you to remember that you are whole, perfect, harmonious, balanced, worthy, lovable, amazing, connected, supported, and you are not alone. You are awesome. Um, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope that you're having a tremendous day. Go out and do one kind act for somebody. Be a spiritual master today. Uh, you're amazing. Love and appreciate you. So let's get into this episode with the man, Joe Williams. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mastermind, Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is an internationally known speaker, strategic expert, and consultant who has spoken to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. His career began in the financial services industry where he achieved massive success, but this was just the beginning. He then became a passionate student of personal and professional development techniques. He used these concepts to launch and build a new company into a cutting-edge 
telecommunications giant with over 5,000 salespeople worldwide. The company went public when he was only 26. In 1991, he was introduced to author and peak performance coach Anthony Robbins. He began working as a trainer with Mr. Robbins and was quickly promoted to master trainer. He then began speaking and conducting seminars as a lead speaker. Currently, he is senior head trainer at the Anthony Robbins Companies. He has spoken at Unleash the Power Within, Wealth Mastery, Leadership Academy, Date with Destiny, and Platinum Partnership events around the world. His work has led him to consult with companies in a diverse number of fields, such as financial services, aerospace, software, direct sales, publishing, entertainment, governmental, and more. Welcome to the show, Joe Williams. Thank you so much, man. Uh, make me sound so important. I better live up to the hype, huh? <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it was awesome. I, I loved um, getting introduced to you and looking through that. And I was like, it, the more I read, the more I was like, yeah, 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 this is going to be awesome. You've been, you know, doing so much. I felt like it was important to share everything that you've done. And yeah, holy yeah. So where do, where do we begin? If, if I'm, I'm just as excited as you are, man. We had a nice little brief talk, but um, we did. We did. just give us a little background on, on how you got all into this because at 26 you've already taken the world by the horns and that's you that's already not even starting you're not even warming up yeah yeah I mean you know I always say that the secret to <laughs> sounding like you've done that much even at my age now you know which is still relatively young I guess in the grand scheme of things although some some days it doesn't necessarily feel that way um is start young and run real fast and that's kind of what I did I I got I guess you could say in retrospect, I'd probably say kind of thrown to the wolves at a very young age um, uh, in that I, I started my first business when I was late 16, almost 17 years old, because um, when I was 16, just turning 16, uh, unfortunately, my parents got a couple of years of free housing in the uh, federal prison system for some tax evasion charges. So my sister and I were basically on our own from that age. And I went out and I was a pizza delivery boy, I remember, for Domino's for two weeks one time to start off, try to make ends meet, and it, it, I knew I couldn't feed us. So I started a little janitorial service, and that was really my first business and started kind of growing from there. So, you know, we can go as far or as deep or as long as you want into all of that, but, uh, you know, start, start young and start running fast, and it makes, uh, makes accomplishing quite a bit uh, seem seem a little bit easier than it, than it is on paper. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hear you. So you're kind of forced into the entrepreneurial word, uh, uh, world, but then you start taking action. So yeah, I guess, I guess give us like that brief overview of that journey because it's a sure. pretty spectacular journey. Yeah. Yeah. So very briefly, you know, I'm imagine I'm 18, 19 years old. I've been a janitor, um, along that route. Also very interestingly, I actually felt uh, skiing one time. I was I was attempting to do. If you remember what was called in those days, this was the give you an idea. Probably 1987. Uh, I was attempting what was called a back scratcher. I don't know if you remember those on skis rather than I know on boards. Exactly what a back scratcher up. is. It's very epic. Bang, came down really hard, and about a week later, started getting really sick. I mean, I bruised, bruised myself up really badly. Didn't break anything, but started getting really sick. And as it turned out, I only had one functioning kidney that we didn't know about because, you know, you can exist perfectly on one. So as a kid, we never knew about it, but I shut it down because of the trauma. So I actually had a kidney transplant when I was 17, uh, got one from my father. So I'm rocking along 17, 18, 19 years old. My folks have been in prison. I'm supporting my sister and I through being a janitor and then cleaning houses during the day. And a friend of the family came and said, you know, I think you'd be perfect for the wealth creation business. 
And I said, great, sign me up, you know? And uh, he said, awesome, we're gonna send you to class for a couple of weeks. And after the first week, I kind of looked around and I thought, boy, they're teaching me a lot about insurance, not really teaching me how to be wealthy. <laughs> and then the next week I thought, well, they're teaching me about mutual funds and how to sell them, but not really about how to be wealthy. And as you can imagine, I was recruited into the insurance and uh, mutual fund sales business when I was 19. So that was kind of my first taste of anything like that. My was a sales job. Um, I went to my first event with Tony when I was 20. And uh, through a weird twist of events, we actually got introduced and met when I was 21 and got to be friends. And first and foremost, that was always our, and still is today, that's still our primary uh, connection as friends. Um, and, you know, as you said, I, I kind of rose through the ranks. All the while, I'd start taking some money that I'd saved and invested it with some partners to start a small, long distance uh, phone service reseller. Now, you know, for people who are under the age of 35, 40 years old, it sounds foreign to think that we used to pay for long distance service, but man, that was a huge business in the early 90s. And my little meager savings, I had an opportunity to start this company with, and so that's what we did. So I'm building this company and, and volunteering and going and being a trainer with Tony, and we take it public when I'm 26, and I immediately realized, and I'm sure you can relate to this and some others can, I realized I'd made a mistake. I was not cut out to sit in an office, you know, <laughs> 9, 10, 12 hours a day and, and answer to a board of directors and everything else. So it took a couple of years to spin out of that. And in 98, I was taking some time off. My daughter was born that year. And, um, you know, I kind of was thinking about what do I want to do with the rest of my life. And I, I started getting into speaking and consulting and everything just kind of went from there. And I also, right, right, on, right around that time, Tony tapped me to start speaking for him some. And that's where I started speaking at Wealth Mastery. I had the good fortune of leading that from 2001 to 2013 um, as one of the lead speakers and being kind of his feet and eyes and everything there uh, because it was what we called a Tony Not There event for all those years. I was head trainer um, for the organization. And then as I transitioned out of that, they made me this kind of perennial role that's really an oversight role called senior head trainer uh, that I'm in today. So. Um, you know, in addition to all that, along the way, started teaching people how to speak and presentation skills. I think, honestly, because it was so unnatural for me, um, I had such a difficult time with it. I, I went the trial and error route uh, and took me six years to kind of beat my head against a wall to finally get to the point to be, you know, enjoy it and be somewhat good. And so along that path as well, I started helping people who wanted to be able to communicate their message communicate their gifts and, and their innate and unique talents. I, I believe that, you know, all of us are born with something greater to do. There's no doubt about that. And some of us specifically have a calling to share that with others. Not everybody does, you know, as I've found through the years of working with people. Yet some people are really called to it. And when they're called to it, sometimes just the simple mechanics and the conditionings of childhood and things like that, if we can clear those out of the way, we can allow them to share those gifts and their genius. Um, even more powerfully. And so that's the primary area in which I play now is, is really helping people in the field of speaking, presentation skills, and so forth. So, dude, you take it from there and then go as far into woo-woo land as you want because I promise I've been there with you as well. So let's... let's <laughs> well, yeah, you tempted me. I'm trying not to skip steps here. No worries. Um, no worries. <laughs> well, well, it's an interesting... Up. 
it's an interesting background. And I think that you just kind of touched on a few things where um, when you're younger, it's about getting that success, that financial security. It's finding that you found that then you go down and you, you basically are around the best in the world on peak performance, personal development, um, you know, achieving your highest potential type of scenario. Um, so I think that the, that's a really important thing. And I, and I'm wondering the best way to phrase the question, but um, figuring out like some sort of tools, like, like some of the best tools that you learned along the way, or how do we help somebody who's listening to this? Cause I think there's a lot of people out there um, that want to, they want to just break out of what they're doing, but it's hard. You know what I mean? You've got, you know, how do we overcome that fear? How do we figure out our gift and then figure that we're good enough to create a business around it or, or make that move. So I know that you've encountered a lot of clients. Um, you've had probably massive success as I've seen in the bio and just your everyday Joes and watch them walk out and flower. So, you know, maybe you could like walk through some of the common strategies or the common limiting beliefs that people have because even with Tony Robbins you know I've done I've read his books and I've done NLP and you're you're eliciting limiting beliefs but yes. if you don't do that kind of work then you're you're kind of not aware of the programming running the ship and yeah. so this is something that I can recognize you're an expert in and so maybe you can kind of give some tools and feedback for you know somebody who's looking to level up find their purpose and and have the courage and overcome that fear to start making a living yeah, yeah. So there, there's a lot inside of what you just asked. And, you know, if I had to kind of chunk it for everyone from as we answer this, you know, kind of think of it as three main things that you asked about. And that was like, number one, you know, how do you find your purpose? How do you find that calling? How do you know what that thing is that you're maybe you just feel the, the, the draw towards something? You just know there's something inside. I mean, that's where I started, obviously, when 18, 19 years old. Uh, I didn't know the direction to go in, but I knew there was probably there was something that was gonna be there. So I, I get that, that's chunk number one. Chunk number two then I guess would be, how do you get the courage to actually take the steps? And then number three would be a little more tactically, what, what are the steps, step one, step two, step three, step four, that I would suggest maybe the person follow then to follow that dream? So is that a good way to kind of unpack everything inside of what you just asked? A hundred percent. I love awesome. it. And, and, and usually it's funny because I, what I'll do is I just basically concept things and I throw it at my guest and you just totally like NLP, Tony Robbins training me and be like, hold on one second, this <laughs> chunk strategy, this chunk strategy, this chunk strategy. So <laughs> yes, please let's do it like that. Okay. <laughs> well, as you can tell, I, I, I sp did spend a few years doing that. So, okay, let's start at the beginning. And that is first and foremost, I guess, how do you find that calling? The answer is there's a lot of different ways. Um, you know, if you think about it, you know, historically, a uh, few things tend to happen for people. Number one, they seem to almost be born or know from early in childhood kind of what that thing was. That might be the first type person. You know, they have, a, they have a good sense from an early age that they were cut out to do something. But that's not most people. That's a rare few. You know, the other ones tend to fall into like, number two, uh, you know, they have some significant emotional event that happens maybe in their youth, maybe in their teens, 20s, that development era, you know, young adulthood, we might call that, or it may happen later in life, but there's something, and it might be an illness, it might be a divorce, it might be a business, you know, losing a business. On the converse, though, people don't think about this. Those significant emotional events are not always, though, you know, pain point events. Now, most of the time, let's be honest, you know, quote my, my friend Tony, <laughs> Uh, people tend to party when they're successful and when they fail, they tend to ponder. So most people do tend to have those significant emotional events that they change from be ones that are painful or that were difficult to go through. But 
I really encourage people as you start looking toward what's my calling, what's don't discount that which has been a gift or has been something that you uh, were unexpectedly successful at or unexpectedly good at. Don't dwell into the, you know, the pain points, the failures, the illnesses, the upsets. Those are a major, major catalyst. There's no doubt about that for helping people kind of find, because what, what we get a good sense from, to answer your question in a broader sense, when we're looking for what we want to do, what our calling is, what our passion is, well, one quick way to figure it out is what the F you don't want to do. And get that like really in a, in, a, in a bone jarring way. And that tends to wake people up real quickly to what they do want to do. Now inside of that then, as you move into the second thing is, okay, well, how do we get the courage to actually take action on this thing and get started? Well, the first thing is be ready to, be ready to make every mistake um, that you're going to make and persevere. That goes without saying. Um, but I really think the, the critical thing there is that's where you start getting into, um, into more work as you're talking about with taking a look at your beliefs, taking a look at what you've you know, been taught or at least what you think is true. That's one thing that people, they hear this word beliefs and they make it this big thing. Here's what it is. Take what you think is true, what you're sure is true about yourself, about the world, about other people and get really good at, at questioning it. And starting to say, well, wait a minute, is that really true? I mean, obviously, one of the people's work for, for people that are trying to find courage and challenge their limiting beliefs, one of the work I recommend for people personally, it's just one of the most elegant things I think that was ever written on it, was Byron Katie's work. Um, her work on, you know, it's called The Work, in fact. <laughs> and if you're not familiar with it, it basically is having you look at all types of beliefs, starting with limiting ones, and saying, well, is that true? And your first answer is always yes. And then you go deeper. Well, come on. Is that really true? Do you really a thousand percent of the time know that that's absolutely true? And of course, at some point you just kind of go, well, no, no, I guess it's not absolutely true all the time for everybody, but it is for me. Okay, great. Who are you when you believe that? And you really have to take a look at if I really get into this limiting belief, who do I become? And what most people realize is I shrink. I become my worst and, 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 and least as opposed to my highest and best. And so the third next question would be, who are you without those beliefs? And that's where you can begin to take a look at. Well, if I were freed from that and you get a real glimpse and that's where courage starts to grow. And as one final nail in the coffin for people that aren't familiar with their work, you, you take that belief and you turn it around. So for instance, when I started out, I can give you a really perfect example of this. One of my beliefs when I was, you know, in my 20s, I mean, I did give you an idea, dude. I didn't graduate high school. You know, I told you I started early. I had to leave high school to support my sister and I. So here I am, no high school diploma, you know, in, a partner in this company, and we're talking about taking it public. And I had to challenge the belief, the limiting belief, I'm too young. I'm too young for this. this uh, there's no way. No one's going to try. You know, my background, I don't have the education, all those other things stacked on top of that, but I'm too young. The final thing you do with Byron Katie's work, though, is you challenge that belief by doing a turnaround, she calls it. And a turnaround on I'm too young is, well, I'm too young. I'm, I am too young. That's what makes this a great opportunity. Thank God I'm not old and jaded like my partners are and know every reason why they can't succeed. They're real good at knowing their limitations because they're so old. And I, you just work to start building a new belief that empowers you and takes you where you want to go. That's really chunk number two, the courage part. 
if you're not familiar with, people aren't familiar with Byron Katie's work, I'd go out and get one of her books and it'll explain everything. Great, great resource for people to develop courage. I think that's one of the most elegant ways to do it. And then the final thing is, what are the tactics? <laughs> so, you know, what are the step-by-step -step things? And that's really where you get into goal setting, time management, um, uh, uh, you know, vision boarding, uh, daily manifestation meditations. Personally, I believe that is not, uh, that is not negotiable because just because it is unexplainable and or I don't know how it works or I can't explain every ins, all the ins and outs of the law of manifestation. I also have to, at some point in my life, maybe think about the fact that while it may be undescribable, it is undeniable. And so it's something that I, just because I can't maybe logically describe it, and by the way, you know, we can go down the rabbit holes of logical description on all that as well, because I have my thoughts on that, of why it actually works and why thoughts are things. And our daily manifestation meditations are not, that is a hard and fast tactic to use as part of your third pillar in, in your question there, which would be the daily actions and, and what do you actually do to make rubber meet the road and get out there and go after that goal and that calling once you have it and you have the courage built up, then what are the things you do? As I said, simple goal setting, time management, all of that, but then there's the stuff some people make negotiable and they throw out because they can't quantify its day-to-day -day payback. And those are things like vision boarding and things like manifestation meditations and, and you know, Things like good karma, <laughs> you know, I mean, there are, there are things in the world that I just classify them for myself as, you know, undescribable yet undeniable. So because they're undeniable, I am not going to ignore the importance of them in my daily life. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent, man. That was, so now I know I opened up a lot, so now we can go as deep as you want in either that or we can go someplace else or, or wherever you'd like to go. Yeah, hey, well, I'm with you, so feel free to steer the ship wherever you want. Right. And I'll, just, I'll just draw a couple bridges because I think that what you were saying is, is so amazing. Um, you know, the, the one thing that I learned from one of my first mentors, Michael Lozier, who wrote the book, The Law of Attraction, is um, getting very clear on what you don't want, a clarity through contrast list. So it, basically, if you're in a job you hate, write every single thing that you hate. And write it all out. And then, you know, I was like, I hate working 40 hours a week. I hate working for somebody who doesn't appreciate me. I hate having to, you know, whatever the case is. And then you, you stop and you ask yourself, so what do I want? Yeah. Uh, the contrast breeds clarity. Now you're very clear on what it is that you actually want. And the contrast is, an, is a really big gift. And it's so simple. So now we have this more clarity of where we want to shoot. So um, I think that that's uh, really important. And identifying the limiting beliefs, you know, is really huge. And looking at that because they're going to hold you back no matter what. And as long as we can keep shedding them and keep shedding them, we're going to be able to move forward. And then the last piece you touched on, and yeah, I'd love to hear your explanation. You know, we had, you said a non-negotiable, the thing when I train with an extreme sports athlete, that's a, an extreme uh, motocross rider is going to do a front flip. It's non-negotiable for him to visualize that trick. It's non-negotiable for uh, like a high diver that's jumping off something that's 30 meters or something, a hundred feet. And to do like a quad backflip, they have to visualize it because they can literally die. They don't get the necessity of like, oh, maybe this works, maybe it doesn't. They know it works, it becomes mandatory, and they apply it. And it is that necessity for survival that forces it. But every single person can apply that technique. Um, and there's not a lot of science around it, but the way that I, well, no, there's well, growing, there's growing science around it, tons of well, science. It's just and here's where the Here's where the science is, though. If you, want to if you really want to go into it and look at it, just look at science on mental rehearsal. 
because that's really what you're talking about, right? And there is tons of science there on mental rehearsal and the effectiveness of it through the decades. So, you know, a person could get, but we have these different terms that we never kind of look for the common threads of where they go by different names. You know, sometimes those of us that are on a path, you know, we, we find a new shiny penny arena that we go into in our study. God knows I do this <laughs> still to this day all the time. And we get enamored with a new way of saying something or a new terminology. And we don't realize that though there are synonymous terms for things <laughs> in this universe, you know, and, and, and they don't look for where is this synonymous to something that's similar from that I can really, you know, maybe draw a deeper understanding from looking into this, this uh, similar topic as well, because you got visualization with you 100%. You know, look at the sports science behind, you know, mental rehearsal. And there's quite a bit there, you know, that a person could dig into if they want like proof that visualization is an important thing to do in their everyday life on a daily basis. Cool. Just go read up on mental rehearsal and you'll find tons there because it's just what you're talking about. It is mandatory for athletes. And yet most people don't think of themselves as social, spiritual, and, and, and mental and emotional athletes. Yet to be at our best, we all must be that. Yeah, exactly. And I definitely misspoke. I didn't mean there's a lot of science. There's tons of science. It's not common knowledge. And I'm glad yes, that you, yeah. that's true. Because, you know, in Zen Athlete, I looked for the science of it, of why it works. But I didn't need the science. I knew it worked. I could feel in my guts that it made sense. And I grew up a martial artist. And so it was all about mind, body, spirit. I just knew that this made sense. And I talk about different states of consciousness. You've got your waking taskless consciousness you've got a kind of like a bigger expanded consciousness you maybe have a heart consciousness something that's more governing feelings um and so the levels of this that i see you know um you've got mental rehearsal shooting basketball free throws they did a study where um one group shot the free throw one did nothing one one just visualized and the one that shot the free throw for 30 minutes a day for a week was 24% improve. Um, and then the one visualized was 30%, uh, 23% improved without even shooting a basketball shot. But what we're also talking about is this um, holistic energy. If you just burn one end of the candle in one way of like, say, masculine or uh, taskless, that's no way to live. And you're not going to be that peak performer. One of the things I'll say with the athletes or even business is that if your self-worth is on the line and everything is about your business and that's your whole life, you don't have a whole life. And it's going to be stressful because it's become your identity rather right. than if you have this holistic approach to living, which is probably more important in the view of like how you live life. Uh, a good friend of mine, Anders, is an incredible artist artist check him out anderspeterson.ca um, but you know he said my life is my highest form of art how I live and I totally feel the same way martial arts has given me the gift of how I navigate my existence what is most important to me so I'd love to give that back to you and talk about some of the research that you've seen because you know in in sports, it's mandatory and people, that's how you have to land a trick you've never been done or never been done by anybody. Then Dr. Joe Dispenza is putting out lots of work and science on people are curing themselves of terminal illness through the magic of their body. And we're talking about how amazing the body is. Um, and then, so there is stuff out there. So I want to throw it back to you and stop yammering and, and hear your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, okay, there's several ways we can go inside of that. Let, let's go with the highest level, though, of what you've, in a sense of what you've just said, and, and, and hopefully something I can offer on this. Um, because I am in, you know, I, I can tend to be a driver and tend to be intense. There is no doubt about it. Um, yet, by the same token, uh, you know, what you're saying about having a whole life 
and having, you know, the relationships and having the health and having, you know, looking at the, the total package, obviously a thousand percent agree with and, 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 and live. And it's really the ultimate goal of what we're going after here. Um, that being said, you know, along, you know, touch on Joe's work, for instance. Um, you know, I mentioned that, uh, that, that I had a kidney transplant when I was 17. When you have a kidney, an organ transplant, I got it from my father. So they released him for prison long enough to give me a kid, kidney and then put him back in. But um, I got it from him. We were a close tissue match. But when a person has an, a transplanted organ, I'm not sure how familiar you are with that. Anyone who's got a medical background in your, your audience will be, though. You're put on what's called immune suppression drugs for the rest of your life. They're basically really, really um, uh, strong steroids, to give you an idea. So things like if you're familiar with uh, prednisone, uh, it's a cortisone, strong cortisone steroid, versions of that. And you're on them for the rest of your life. And basically, think of it as this. It's medically induced, uh, for lack of a better way of saying, it, it's almost like medically induced AIDS um, uh, type uh, symptoms. In other words, you have no immune system. Your immune system is, is shut down. It shuts down your immune system because when an organ is transplanted into a person's body, their immune system sees that as a foreign object and it attacks it and destroys it. So when, if someone has a kidney transplant or a heart transplant or a, a, you know, a, a liver transplant or whatever, then you're on immune suppression for the rest of your life. And so I was 17 when I got it. I rolled along. When they gave me the, the, the talk after the transplant, they said, enjoy your next 20 years because no one's ever lived longer than 20 years with a, a kidney transplant. And by the way, 20 years from now, what these drugs are going to do to your body, you're going to wish you were dead. Now, at 17 years old, that sounded like a pretty good deal because realize, you know, I was only 17 and I was going to die otherwise. So I rolled along for a few years, you know, taking the every day, the immune uh, uh, suppression medications. And I'm in my early 20s. That's when I met Tony. I became a raw foodist, vegan and then raw foodist. Um, I was an ultra runner. I played around with adventure racing, things like that as well. I come from a background of uh, motocross, BMX and skateboards. And so, you know, I had all that going for me. We moved through my 20s. In my late 20s, I kind of unexplainably started gaining weight, and even with everything I was doing. But I'd started speaking. I kind of figured I'm out on the road. I'll just roll with it. Go into my early 30s. By the time I'm 34, my body is breaking down. I'm having like joint pain that's so bad. It's what like a 65, 70-year-old person would have. And it's from these immune suppression drugs. And one night I got word that my best friend who uh, I'd been one of the people who got him started riding motorcycles, unfortunately was killed in an accident in Thailand. And my daughter uh, was very young. She's five years old, I believe at the time, if I'm recalling the ages correctly, almost six, maybe. And we had just found out my wife at the time was pregnant with my son. And I remember sitting there all night, just crying my eyes out because partially for my friend, partially because I knew as I had projected forward in my mind, I started thinking of the consequences of those drugs on my body. And I knew that five years from now, when he went to his kindergarten, first day of kindergarten, I'd be in a wheelchair. And I sat that night and I did everything that I just kind of ran through with you as, in a sense. I've never thought of it that way, but I did. I did the challenging of the beliefs, everything else, because I was faced with only one thing, and that is I must figure out a way to get off of these immune suppression medications before they kill me, and I must keep a transplanted organ, which anybody in your audience, at least at that time, it was medically impossible. 
And so I went to work and did all the things I just talked to you about. I set the goal. I, in, I set up vision boards for myself with it. I didn't even tell my wife I was doing this at the time. I, I sent it out into the universe. I would every morning get up and I would affirm and encamp this. I will find a way to do this. I will find a way to do this. I wrote it down. I did all the stuff that people think, oh, that's just. Oh, that's just goal setting. Oh, that's just changing your mindset. Oh, that's just. I think, oh, that's just uh, uh, mental barriers block people from more in their lives than they have of any idea it really does. Do you know what I mean? They think, oh, that's just. Or, oh, I already know that and I already do it. I went back to the basics, man, and I did everything I knew. And within about two weeks, through a weird twist of events, as the universe likes to give us, I got introduced to the guy who did the first ever kidney transplant in the United States, Dr. Thomas Starzl. He runs the Starzl Kidney, um, or transplant, I should say, ward out of University of Pennsylvania. And I started working with him. They said, you know, there's a real off chance that somebody with a tissue to match that close and who's been on immune suppression, like you have for a long time, never had rejection, there's a chance. And I said, fuck it, man. <laughs> Sorry, I pardon my, my language, but that's me. When I get in this state, fuck it, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I've got to do it. I don't have any other choice. And so I weaned myself off of immune suppression, which at the time, and still is for most people, considered medically impossible. Um, they wrote a white paper about me. It also, though, started the further research that's now been done into ways that transplant patients are weaned off of immune suppression from some of the work that I had the good fortune of doing at a very young age, or you know, earlier in my life, not a very young age, 34, to wean off of immune suppression, keep a transplanted kidney, and never take immune suppression again in my life. Now, I'm not suggesting any of your listeners do that at all, at all. It was very risky what I did. I did it with doctors and so forth but it's not something you wanna take lightly. What I'm saying is when you start talking about medical miracles and how all of this can play in, dude, I am literally living proof sitting here right now that the impossible is possible. And it, but it takes incredible commitment. I think it also really takes doing that which we think we already know. Realize at that time, I was teaching Wealth Mastery for Tony. I was his, I was his, had just become his head trainer. You know, I mean, I, I knew all of it. And I didn't just think to myself, well, I know it all, so that's enough. That malady of mind, body, spirit of I know it all or I know what to do and that's enough, that is not what separates those of us in the world that, that make these incredible things happen from those who just wish that they maybe could. I think the difference is to say, you know, I'm going to do what the hell I know. And that's what the humbleness the, the, and, the, and, the, and the gratitude and so forth, everything that comes with being able to knock yourself down to size and do what it takes and do what is necessary, even down to the most simple and most basic, um, you know, many times is what separates those who, who are able to actually pull something off from those who just discount it and think, well, I already know that and that's enough. Knowing is not enough. We must do. So I hope, does that, first of all, does that give you, first, you talk about medical impossibilities. Um, a, I don't believe there's any medical impossibility. I do believe, though, that it should be done intelligently, and it should be done in concert with good medical uh, oversight, 100%, but also good medical oversight as well. You don't want to be working with somebody who knows it's not possible, so they're going to treat you that way. You definitely want to work with people who, you know, are, are playing on your same wavelength, yet, can have your back from a safety standpoint.
Wow. Holy smokes. Well, I really appreciate you sharing that story. You know, that, that goes into so much because you're really talking about going against the grain. They say to you, it's impossible. So much of our culture is imposed on us and they say it's impossible. They did a a study on, I can't remember exactly what happened, but it was on authority and you put somebody in a white jacket, like as a yeah. doctor, do you know? Robert, what it's Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. Yes, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And yeah, and so people will just, authority. we're basically bred to take our, our authority outside of us. And I think that's yes. a really big thing. And what you did is you took the power back in and then it also forces you into this like faith realm. You were like squeezed right in and be like, oh my goodness, there's, you know, I need to access this thing that is beyond me. And feel yes. free to jump up, jump in if, if anything clicks. No, no, no. 100%, man. I mean, I just here, – here's the thing I believe. I believe that, you know, that which a person uh, – you know, that which we, that which we discount as, um, uh, you know, it sounds so cliche as I'm getting ready to say, but that which we discount as impossible will we'll always remain that way. That sounds so cliche. You know, a better way of putting it is this <laughs> – um, you know, I always used to ask people in, in events when I used to do, you know, even goal setting, for instance, for Tony, sounds simplistic. Sa you know, we all have goals. <laughs> you ask any person walking down the street, everybody says, yes, they have goals. You know, many people have seen the study from the, I believe it was the Yale graduating class of 1953, where they polled them and they said, how many of you actually have written goals? Number was 3%. They went back and studied the same people, the exact same people 30 years later, 1983. And what they found was, same 3% had written goals. The other 97%, let's be clear, the other 97% said they had goals. It was just the 3% had actually written them down. And what they found was that 3% had lower incidences of divorce, of uh, uh, they hadn't died as, as, at as young an age, they were, had better health and longer life, but the quantifiable was they were worth more, they're better adjusted, and they were worth more than the other 97% combined. Now, uh, that study is taught all the time and, and anecdotal. Here's what's important to that in my mind. Is the process of make, taking the invisible and making it visible, the process of manifestation that we all talk about so much, what if it were as simple as when I pull that whatever electrical impulse, that, that you know, divine spirit, whatever it might be, if I pull it out and I bring it into manifestation by putting it onto a page, does that, it's not the end yet, but does that not start the process of manifestation? Have you not taken the invisible and brought it into physical reality at its start, at its seed? Just like if you're going to grow a tree, you got to start with a seed. That is your seed. And then what you do from there is what actually grows it. And I used to say this process of, for instance, visualization, you know, and, and, and visualizing so that you feel how it will be to accomplish a goal and things like that. Here's the truth about that. You're actually getting your unconscious mind, you know, activated by doing that. Now we talk about the conscious mind. You mentioned that earlier, the unconscious mind, whatever you might, the person wants to call it, the other than conscious mind. Studies show that your unconscious mind is at least 30,000 times more powerful than your conscious mind. Newest studies that I've seen by Bruce Lipton say 65,000 times, but let's just, let's just say 30,000 to be conservative. And I always used to say to people, and do say to people, how many of you know yourself to be powerful, strong, capable, able? When you set your mind to something, you can go out and get it done. Raise your hands. And people always raise their hands. And I say, here's the truth. You have no freaking clue what you're really 
capable of because you're capable of at least 30,000 times more than you know yourself to be. When you power up that part of you that causes your heart to beat 50,000 times a day, your fingernails, your hair to grow without you having to think about it, your body to completely regenerate itself every year, cell by cell. And what we also don't realize is the science, as you asked for, behind what you were talking about, you know, you, the enteric nervous system in your body, this is emerging science. If anybody wants to read up on it, pick up the book, The Second Brain. It talks about your enteric nervous system in, in the human body. And we have 100 billion neurons in our head, brain cells. You have a series of cells on the lining around your stomach called the enteric nervous system. You have a series of cells, 90 billion of those. It's 90% the same size as your brain. They're 99.9% .9 as complex and as communicative as your neurons. They're not neurons because they're in the cells around your stomach, but it's 90% the size of the brain in your head. It's your second brain. You've got 50 billion of them around your heart. When we say I've got a gut feeling or I feel it in my heart, that is not woo-woo. That is not just you know, something we might put off and say, oh, that's just intuition. Let's get back to the, oh, that's just for a moment. It's what stops people. No, it's not. That is a series of cells in your body trying to communicate to you because it doesn't have language. It doesn't have pictures to communicate. It has feelings. You have that feeling in your stomach. You have that feeling in your heart. That is your nervous system, your unconscious mind, your second brain screaming at you, go for this, or screaming at you, stop. And so people don't trust that because they just don't, they don't go deep enough. Or they think, oh, that's just, oh, that's just a feeling. Oh, that's just, I don't have any proof on it. No, trust those things and know how to activate those things to work on your side. It's powerful, powerful stuff. And there is science behind it as well. So it's not just that, and I'm like you, I can trust that something will work easily as well. That's, you, that's enough for me. If, if, if I show up that, hey, if I trust it also works, if I have faith this works, I'm really good at that as well. And I also like to have the science because it also just kind of puts that little gremlin in the back of my mind sometimes completely to bed. And so, you know, that's, that's a lot of, I think, what you're talking about. When you talk about, you know, the, the aspects of ourselves, which are, you know, the, not the masculine, not the logical, not the, you know, it, it's, and it's really being able to bring together the big picture, blend all of those things together. Make sense? Yeah, amazing. I love it all. Well, I just had uh, Dr. Dawson Church on and he, he just wrote another New York Times bestseller, amazingly brilliant. And it is around consciousness influencing the cells and the, how your yes. body reacts. And, um, you know, I really love what you said about, I, I was unaware of that. I've heard of like the stomach being the second brain, but I've also heard there's 40,000 neurons in your heart. And I think that the so the heart is essentially a brain and the heart yeah. sends more signals to the brain than the brain does to the heart. And I think that culturally what we are here and as, as coaching a, a awesome, amazing client today uh, who has a dance studio, Lee, she's really awesome. And I think that when we're communicating with people, some people are in, you say illusion, but I think it's a cloud and that cloud is just fear-based. Because yes. the thing is, you can project, you know, if you go for that business, if you get off those meds, if you um, take that leap of faith, you know, and then everything can crumble. That's true. That could possibly happen. And so what happens is we kind of get stuck in this fear and we, we, we disconnect from how powerful we are. And when you're talking about taking the action um, and writing it down, you know, 
David Lombear, the, the native elder I'm studying with, he's just like, you know, spirit can only help you if you say it, verbalize it. And that again is imagination. You know, I could say like, uh, I don't know, um, some sort of like crazy word, like quaka moly ducka roll is a stupid word, but I've, I've come up with better ones before. Um, but until it's in that imagination realm, it doesn't become real. Right yes. now you verbalize it. Now you've brought it from the imagination realm, from the infinite, whatever that space is, down into the physical and that sound reverberation, how ridiculous it was. You still, it was still reverberated and now yep. it became a thing. Yeah. Right yep. That goal and it now becomes a thing and we dismiss these small actions. And so he's making sure that I'm writing down my goals. And um, the other thing, Bruce Lee is a huge mentor of mine. If like how I studied and I, and I, and I really valued how his, he lived his life. Um, he said, knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. And what you did is you got stuck in that crux and you're like, okay, got to do something. I know these principles work. And I think that this stuff for me is not, complicated we're just not doing it and the best example that i can give is when i train with 34th generation shaolin masters in china one of the masters could break stone with two fingers he could break thicker ones over his head and they could do all these things and i was always curious what are capable of what what are humans capable of what is the limit of this body and i'm, I'm constantly seeking that now like who's doing wim hoff is doing amazing stuff yeah you yeah guys tony robbins are walking across fire i've never done that seems intense it doesn't seem to make any sense but people are doing it um but he could break this stone and i and i asked him how he did it and long story short if you listen to the podcast you've heard this before but basically years years of training his fingers in hard qigong and years of meditation qigong moving energy through the fingers to do something the western world thinks is impossible so then what i'll give back to you because i think that, that there is science to this but but it's not common knowledge that's why with zen yeah. athlete, what i want to do is like hey of course visualization works my book is ahead of the time and behind the times at the same time why is all of our money and stuff on like just the body do more squats do more squats when every athlete has said it's always the mental game that separates the two and you can teach self-mastery through sport you can teach all these principles and when you start to apply them then you know only for yourself that they're real and ideally you don't have to wait till there's a catalyst to start playing with this stuff and so what i wanted to kind of give back to you because i'm, I'm curious in, in the way that we're going is like basically like um the world of like your thoughts on consciousness unconscious consciousness the meaning of life how do we create a fulfilling life we go into like things like simulation theory and trying to um you know understand reality to its deepest sense what is god but then you've got two kids and we talked about them earlier what do you want them to know what do you think the meaning is like what would you want to impart you know you got this wisdom it's like what what do you want them to know how do you want to experience this because i think we're learning and growing and it's it's when you get to a point hopefully where you realize that you don't know anything at all you know, a tiny, tiny, tiny little bit. And that consciousness can only hold five to seven bits of information. But if we can let that heart that's connected to like, you could say 5D, you could say spirit, you could say whatever. Um, it's kind of directing you around, but you're kind of stuck in this mind that can only get from spot to spot. So how, I'm going to leave it at that and just let you pick where you want, because I, I think it would, you'd have some cool insights. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> it's a great question. What's the meaning of life in a way? <laughs> break, break that one down. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> hey, you want to break, break that one down? Here's what I would say. Here would be my two cents worth on that. Get silent, get still, and notice what comes to each and every one of us and decide for yourself from a place like that. 
ultimately, I think that's probably going to hold as, as much as anything. Because, you know, as, as in motion as I may seem at times as well, you know, I've meditated since I was 13. And again, which is another, how the hell I got into that when I was 13, who knows? Um, and, I, you know, I come in, I've come and gone from it through, through time. Um, yet, you know, at a, at a big picture, answer to your question. I think the question that a lot of us, and my, myself being one, as, you know, as seekers have looked to of, of what is the meaning of life? What's this all about? What's, um, you know, I, I think for what it's worth as I sit here, you know, on August 1st, you know, three days shy of my 49th birthday, um, the way I, it, it's, it sits for me is um, that, um, you know, that I believe that purpose has to be found for each person individually. I think that what can cause us as seekers to get into the rabbit hole of, and I don't mean that in a good rabbit hole way, like the, <laughs> like the, like the matrix type rabbit hole. That's not what I mean. I mean like the rabbit hole where it spins us down into a place of, of uh, uh, fear and being shut down and becoming smaller and shrinking. I mean that rabbit hole. Is, is the rabbit hole, if there's some question outside of that which I can find, which I can notice, which I can hear and I can feel for myself. Um, I tend to believe that that is, an, that is a question in which looking you know, outside of yourself for the answer will tend to lead to more spinning down into that rabbit hole. So my two cents would be for a person, for my children, for anyone else, on that type question, meaning of life, what does it all mean? Why are we all here? It's going to be ultimately we have to decide for ourselves, I believe. I believe, um, you know, I'm happy to tell you what I think here as I sit at 49 years old. Will it change when I'm 50? Who knows? Maybe. Yeah. That's why I put it in this point in time because you're right. I, I'm amazed every day by what I don't know. And so that's why I would put it within the context of, as I sit here on August 1st, you know, or I'm in you know, at 49 years old, let's just say, as I sit here at 49 years old, um, what is it? And the answer for me would be it's creation. It's about expansion. Uh, and I don't mean creation of just money things, things like that at all, at all. I mean creation of love. I mean creation of vitality. I mean creation of heart. I mean creation of caring in uh, deeper and deeper and broader and broader and wider and wider and higher and higher and bigger and bigger and smaller and smaller and smaller, all simultaneously. Um, you know, I don't know another way to put it other than this thing we have in the universe called paradox, those two seemingly opposites that can, though both seemingly they are opposite, yet we can choose to hold them as equally true, valid, and available to us as truths at the same time. Finding that mental balance and emotional and spiritual balancing act within ourselves as humans, I think is one of the biggest things. Because it comes down to a lot of this conversation, the yin and the yang, the masculine and the feminine, some of those, you know, binary questions in the universe. What if the answer were just they're both equally powerfully uh, as true, even though they're seemingly opposites, they're equally valid, equally important, equally as true at this, in the same moment. And how do I find then within myself how that rests? How do I find where it's a time to act and a time for will and a time for that masculine energy? with the time for allowing, with the time for, and I don't know, by the way, know what, where that would be from as far on the spectrum of masculine, feminine, I probably shouldn't have said that, but you know, that more driver, that more will-based activity, and then the time of allowing, or the time of surrendering. 
That is what I believe is the essence of that personal journey, which is the meaning of life to each person. Um, that's my two cents worth as I sit here at 49. That help at all? Yeah, it's beautiful, man. I think, I think it's really well put. The way that I kind of express it or where I'm at with it right now is like we're on a, a little boat, you know, that we like a little sailboat at sea. And there's some of it that we can direct towards. There's these islands or these experiences we can direct towards, but some of it's out of our control. If it's, if it's, a, if it's a raging sea, you're like, oh my goodness. But ideally, you have the tools, and that's your consciousness. That's your body. Those are those daily practices. Those are your perspectives. Those are your beliefs that you can figure out to make sure your sail is good so everything is in point or on you know, ready for when this, when it's stormy, but you can still get to that spot. And you, you touched on it earlier about the process about get ready to fail. We're so afraid to fail. Failure is a part of it. Enjoy failure, celebrate failure. You're moving towards it, but we put all this other stuff on ourselves. And so, you know, when we talk about the meaning of life, I love that expression because it is individual and it's whatever you make it. Meaning is only what you make it. Um, and then you do have this balancing act of like, okay, you know what? I'm moving in this direction, but also simultaneously, I can let it all go. That this is through, through my feeling and, and that heart center that's connected to all nature, all of life that's in me. I can feel that and it wants me to move this way. I'm going to go do that. And you can also, at the same time, be like, I do not want to be here. And I hate this. And your body's screaming at you. Um, I get me out of here. You know, it's like, no, we got to stay here because we need some money. And you don't understand. It's tough out there. <laughs> yep, yep. So, you know, it's a challenging um, act. And I think that you, you really put it beautifully. So I like that answer. And then where I would, where I'd kind of want to go with this, because um, we talked about it a little bit before, you know, what do you think is possible as a, as a human on this planet? Like, what do you, where do you think we're going as far as that goes? And, and you said you have some pretty wild stories because I think that we, we focus so much on the 3D and we focus so much on what we can see, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can sense, what we can measure in science. But then if you look at the uh, light spectrum, we only get like a, such a tiny little bit of the light spectrum. You such yeah. a tiny bit. There have been states of meditation, or I'm sure you've had experiences where it humbles you to your core and you realize that you in fact are an eternal being and that you're going you're gonna to continue on in some sort of form. You don't get that answer. It's not like, okay, great. You know what? I just did a meditation. I found out in my next life, I turn into a unicorn. That would be right. great. You know what right. I mean? I don't, nobody really knows, but um, uh, many people have touched this space where you just have this knowing that you're eternal. And so I feel like you get a whole life to decree, create who you are day by day. And I'm just curious, um, and I think it's much beyond the physical. We got to get out of this fear, this cloud of fear, move towards what fulfills us to, to, to be kind. Like if you're, I say just like do an act of kindness and that's a big one from David. It's just like, you could go, I'm going to do a, a talk, right? On my consciousness and then, or spirituality. And then I go get my coffee and I'm like, screw you, man, you suck. You know what I mean? Or I'm impatient with the guy. Like our quality of life is how we navigate all of that stuff on the way to our goals. You know yeah, what I mean? And yeah, the yeah. more we can do that, that's going to improve our quality of life, but also impact each individual person as we go and not to lessen that impact. So I just want to give it back to you to kind of just share in that and maybe share some of your, um, you know, stories that make people think because it's, it's important to realize that we're playing, even the story you already shared about healing yourself is a miracle. You know yeah. what I mean? I want people to really understand what you said. You know, this is medically impossible, yeah. but in your guts, you knew that this was the only way you were forced. You used all the tools that you knew 
and it was totally outside of your control, right? You went with the feeling and total faith of something else, and it's the only thing that you could do. And if we can touch that within ourselves, because it doesn't matter if you're a single mom looking to level up, if you're going to let go of a job and you've got all the money and you want to go towards something you're more passionate about, we all have these tests. But you must go first for the universe, for source, for spirit, for something to come in and assist you in that way that feels more aligned. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, well, let me let me let me make sure I stay on track with this. What what out of that? What would your what would the question be that I should that I should spring from here right now? I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, no problem. Yeah, no problem. You, I just wanted to make sure I stayed, you know, yeah, I, I stayed know. somewhat here on, <laughs> you. on track. Um, uh, We're off the rails. we got no track. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Let's, let's use that example just because we covered that territory and it'll have me in context here from, you know, when I had the issue with the kidney transplant and coming off the medications. You know, let's be clear. You know, while I like to sit here on the other side of it and say that night I decided that it was going to be this way and blah, blah, blah. When I, you know, realized when I woke up the next morning, I didn't actually wake up the next morning. I stayed up that whole night crying, as I said. But when I got after it the next day, day after day after, and every morning early on, uh, to say I was in that state of knowingness would be a total lie now in, in looking back. It was, a, I'm going to give this a hell of a try, <laughs> if nothing else. And then I think along the way, when, kind of like when I got introduced to Thomas Starzl, that made me go, okay, well, maybe this is possible. I mean, I think there's some tricks of languaging where we take the impossible into the possible um, that, you know, that we've kind of talked about already. So the deeper question, when you talk about that eternity, you know, experience, um, satori, right? Uh, some people call it that, that one taste of that, as you said, for many of us, it happened in meditation, you know, that, that all is eternal, that I am eternal, that, that knowingness, that you are more than this body, that I am more than this emotion, that I'm more than this fear, that I'm more than this certainty, that I'm more than, and by the way, some people discount, they, they say I'm more than my fears, I'm more than my worries, I'm more than my concerns, and they forget that we're also more than our certainties. We're more, we're more than what we think we know, which I hope is, is a lesson that's come, we've, we've beaten that you know, nail into the, into the ground here today. Um, but it's not designed to make a person uncertain. It's designed to deepen that knowingness, which I think is two different things. I think a certainty is a, is a level of belief where a knowingness just kind of is for those of us that have had that experience. I, I, from your shaking your head, it looks like you, you kind of were on the same wavelength there. So, you know, finding, striving to find that experience, each one of us, um, you know, for ourselves. And very honestly, the most simplistic way is, as I said, I think, sit, get still, go deep and find what is there, you know, for you. And, and inside of all of that, then ask yourself, with my life, at my age, with my background, everything I know, everything I think I know, all that is, how can I best serve? And then follow the hell out of that path. Honestly, I think that takes a lot of what we've talked about here and boils it down into what can, is actually doable by anybody listening with us today. Because while we are more than our past, while we are more than our belongings, there's no doubt about that. Those things can play a role in us helping us find our path. And in that place of stillness, in that place of eternity, in that place of knowing, to say, okay, 
let's, let's go. What, what does my path look like today and work on today and work on now and not be concerned with tomorrow, not be concerned with next week, but just work on what you can now the absolute best that you can in spite of the fear, in spite of the worry, in spite of the concern, and in spite of the certainty, in spite of the knowingness, in spite of the ego, and in spite of the, 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 the bigness of head um, as well that we all can have as humans. To just, to just try to find as simply as you can, how can I best serve and work from there? Uh, gosh, I think of all of us did that a little bit more in our lives and, and did it with a little more faith. Um, each of us can do that though in any moment. That's a beautiful answer. And I, and I 100% agree. I, I say that <clears throat> sometimes like enlightenment is not from what I can give, but it's how it can help. How can yeah. I assist? Yeah. And I think that the assistance comes from our natural gifts. Um, I kind of use the analogy of being in, in a forest. And, you know, if a beaver recognizes it's a beaver, um, then it can, the whole ecosystem of the forest is going to work out. But if the beaver is pretending to be a seagull or something, it doesn't really work that way. And, and the beaver is going to be unhappy. So, you know, it's a very simple process, a lot harder to do. And I think that when you talked about your story about, um, you know, having that faith and you're not sure, you're not going to have certainty. When people do these things, you are very uncertain. You know, you know, just like, ah, I'm so certain that this works out. Sometimes I have doubts, you know, with all the stuff that I've experienced and gone through. I'm just like, am I just nuts? Am I just going to go into a white, white room? And thankfully, the podcast is a reflection. Someone's like, no, Matt, you're okay. Um, I had that too. I was like, okay, good. Um, but what will happen when you start to move towards those things and do those things, I say you get like a little wink from the universe. And your wink was that doctor. He yeah. said, you know, I mean, you went like this and now all of a sudden something has showed up in your reality and you get this feedback from your actions, this feedback. And so um, there's a few different ways I could go with it right now. One of them I was like, going to ask you, like one of the most wild stories that you've experienced, one of the most crazy out there experiences that you've had. I'm just curious if you can share one of those. Sure, sure. I mean, um, uh how crazy do you want to go? Just, just crazy, crazy, like as crazy as you got. I should, I should. Well, <laughs> well, what, whatever you want, it'll be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, dealer's choice. You know, I, I got very lucky as well in my late teens um, to be introduced to a couple of spiritual teachers who um, were with me for years. Um, they've since uh, left the planet and um, yet are still here. Um, in, in my experience, at least. Um, and, you know, I, I had several experiences at retreats, on retreats with them, of them showing up places that they should not have been. I've actually had that experience with lots of people I've known through the years who were powerful people of them, you know, astral projecting or whatever one might want to call it. Uh, you know, I like to think of it as they showed up right at the right moment, right place, right time. Cause that also leaves open the possibility that it could happen for anybody in my life. Who's meant to be sent to me as a teacher. And that could be someone on the street walking their dog who we talked to, you know, I believe those, you know, when I went to India, when my I'm trying to think of my late, late thirties, I went to India for a month for a, a, a meditation retreat and some other things. And, um, you know, in, in India, there's, there's, if I get the Sanskrit correct, there's, there's Sat Guru. There are two types of Guru, Sat Guru. Sat Guru is true Guru. I hope I'm getting this correct. And that, that's a person. That's, that's an incarnation. That's a, that's a being that we can go. They're a true Guru. They lead the way. They're words, for instance, we should follow. True Guru. guru. Then there's Upa Guru. Upa Guru are the things that happen to us 
and the circumstances, conditions, problems, opportunities, it's everything in the world outside of Satguru that is sent to us to wake us the fuck up. That is Upaguru. And so staying on high alert for where Upaguru is at, at work in my life right now, who is sent to wake me the F up, I think is also an important, important part of all of this kind of conversation as we, as we begin to bring it to a close. And like I said, you know, I, I had this, this knowingness of these people that were spiritual teachers just showing up out of thin air um, for me, like literally right before my eyes materializing as we talk wild stories. Um, but I like to take that and think of it as, wow, that wasn't just that he or she materialized like that. Um, th later in life, I learned, wow, that's kind of upaguru. So that person showed up and bumped into my cart at the, at the grocery store, possibly because they were sent to help wake me up and some, or that person cut me off in traffic or, you know, we know all the examples of this because we use them all the time in conversation, trying to remember out of that story of this, seeing this person literally materialize out of nothing, my spiritual teacher, the learning for that as I've tried to carry through my life has been watch out for Upaguru because um, they will be sent to us at all times. Amazing, man. Well, I love how you, you phrase that because I've had some wild experiences in my life. Um, and if you look at the autobiography of a yogi, which is a very common yeah. book, most people have read that book. It's this journey of the yogi and then wild stuff happens through these yes. different segments, but they're, they're not every single day. It's one. And then he faces a big challenge and follows his heart and his mission. And then yes. wild experience, right? And what those experiences are, I think are just winks and nudges that you're being the, you're, um, walking the path. And, um, as I'm, I'll give a personal story. I was on my bike, uh, the other day and, um, I had such a busy day. I've been working really hard this summer and uh, doing all kinds of stuff. And um, I was just like, I need some help. And I was like, why, why, why am I on a bicycle? I'm 34. I just, you know, I'm just kind of going through this ridiculous mental thought. And then I was like, oh, you know, I am the help. You know what I mean? I'm doing things to help other people. Like, and when I, when I did that for myself, cause I was like, why, when I was growing up, is it so uncommon to think about how you could help somebody? Why is it uncommon to be, you know, wanting to help your fellow man and to just think about um, being a good human being? Why am I weird for that? Why am I weird for wanting to see what the heck this body can do and questioning people that are obviously full of crap? You know what I mean? There's so much nonsense. Like, how do you not see through that nonsense? What yes. are you, why are we not picking each other up? Why are we not sharing information? Why are we murdering each other over these stupid labels that do not exist? No country, no belief system, no God, no nothing. It's one humanity here. And, and, and it just like is frustrating that so many people, you know, that that's a foreign concept for that we need to actually close ourselves down more and more and more and more. You know, you never know who your neighbor's going to be. You never know who that guy's going to be. Oh, don't go to Mexico because of something. Don't go to Canada because they'll shoot a hockey puck at you. You know, don't go to Russia because they're all drunk on vodka. You're like, what are you talking about? You go there and you realize that everybody is the same having a human experience. And people are beautiful and people are amazing. And I think that that's our natural nature. And yes, there are some scary stuff, stuff out there, but we're – where there's nothing to be afraid of here. You can be the example in your town, in your community, um, in your actions. And that, you know, that is enough. You don't have to be Mother Teresa. You don't have to start a billion dollar company. Just be the example of kindness and awareness and compassion with where you are. And that's a beautiful, massive ripple. And if you're at a job, because I get this all the time, they're like, you know, 
your podcast helped because I realized I wasn't nuts. <laughs> but I was like, you're the example. That's why it's so hard because you're just being aware. And, and rather than reflecting that negativity and slamming it back in their face, you're just learning more about yourself and your own understanding. So um, I'll just give that if you want to make any comments on that or ask a question. No, that's beautiful, man. I'm, I'm, we're on the same, we're speaking the same language on the same wavelength, man. Well, we've touched on so much. I don't want to add to it. You said it beautifully. Go ahead. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Well, I could definitely talk to you all day. You're, you're so uh, knowledgeable and energetic and, and, and amazing. And you have such a good energy. Um, I'm going to ask if there's anything that you wish that I had asked you or you want to touch on. And I was also going to say there's, you know, a bunch that I, I kind of wrote down here, but along the lines of like your recommendations for top books, top speakers, top resources, top, top guides where you can go out there. And then also just a little bit of a guide on like how we can build up our self-worth and overcome fear. Because I think that even when I work with athletes and business people and things like that, how do we get fulfillment, overcome self-worth? Because even sometimes for me, I'm just like, oh man, just uh, what I say to myself is I would never say that to anyone else. Why do we say it to ourselves? So I'm just wondering if you could touch on that a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So um, uh, first, first question, books, things like that, recommendations. I'll try to put this within context of what we talked about today. So I recommended a couple, obviously, Second Brain. Uh, we talked about offhandedly when you, when you mentioned authority. I talked about Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with that. Great book. Um, uh, we talked about earlier on as well. Uh, I believe another book, it'll come to me. I'll, I'll think of what it is. But as a cap on top of this conversation, I would say, you know, there's, you know, I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday's work right now. I, I love Obstacle is the Way um, and his other, his other books, Daily Stoic, which I'm doing literally uh, this year as well. Um, a big fan of Ryan's work. So the Obstacle is the Way, that, that which is placed in your path as the impediment is used to make the way. Certainly, if you put a cap on a lot of what we've talked about today, that's one good way of looking at it. That, you know, that medication that I was killing me and that I had to get over in getting over it. Yeah, it could be a story of inspiration. I'll tell you what, though, Matt, the bigger inspiration, hopefully that that can be here is that paper that was written about me opened up the work that is now being done for transplant patients that are allowing them to be freed from those drugs. By the way, this is not, you know, anything I have any professional thing to do with whatsoever. It's that ripple, like you said, it's that ripple effect. And, you know, as we sit here now, you know, um, what, 15, 15 years, right? I'm right at 15 years since that happened. As we sit here 15 years from, from that time, there are people who would have been dying from immune suppression, uh, toxicity to their bodies who've been freed from the drugs because of the research that's been done that preceding 15 years. So us each being that ripple effect, and looking for where we were the ripple effect in the world, not to stroke our ego to pat ourselves on the back, but instead um, to get further, further, and deeper and deeper into our service, knowing that that will begin the ripple that'll last long beyond us. Um, and so, you know, as far as, you know, books, thoughts, anything like that, as we begin to, to finish up here, I'd say, you know, remember that, um, you know, whatever spiritual or religious practice I hope out of this conversation as well, a person is into, I hope they'll go more deeply into that. So whatever they found to be a value for themselves, spiritually, religiously, whatever it might be, I honor it. Let's all go deeper. I think the world can use a little bit more of that right now. Um, and then finally, I would say, you know, out of everything, always keep your eyes open for Upa Guru. 
and kindred spirits, you know, that, that you bump into in life because those are, those are sacred moments in themselves as well. Beautiful. Joe, well, it's been a privilege and an honor, man. You shared Definitely. so much wisdom and so much energy. I was like fired up the whole time on, on your energy. Um, where can people find out more about you? And if you have any other closing thoughts or anything you want to go deeper on, be my guest. Yes. Yeah, so um, if they want to find out anything about the work that we do for people with presentation skills, making them badass speakers and what I call leaders in the impact industry uh, that we have out there right now, getting your message out there more powerfully, you can check us out at joewilliamsonline.com, joewilliamsonline.com, or hit me up on Facebook and, and we can connect there, obviously. Um, and then, you know, as far, far, far as uh, final thoughts, dude, I would just say, um, you know, I, not to sound like I'm, you know, brown nose in here, but, you know, I honor, I honor you, I honor everyone in, out of a conversation like this, who are, have dedicated their lives to making an impact that then has that, that ripple effect. The work that I do with, you know, people as speakers and presentation skills, dude, I grad, I've gravitated there as one little, one little aspect that I am better than any other fucking person in the world with because that's been an area of focus. Now, some people sometimes say to me, you know, why don't you expand? Why don't you do more? You've done so much with Tony and others. Why don't you, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's because it's where I'm called right now. And it's where I know I do as well or better than any other effing person on earth. And so I'm going to throw my heart, my soul, and everything in my being into that and everybody that I can serve there. And I hope out of answering that as well, that was not a sales pitch, but it shows the fire and the passion and the love and the honor, and the respect, and the hum humility that I hope anybody who comes out of this conversation will find for themselves. Beautiful, Joe. I, I appreciate you. Yeah, and I think that it's, you know, that energy is following your bliss. It's what lights you up. It is your direction yes. beyond anything else. You know, like for me right now, for this last couple of years, it's been the podcast and the book. It's, it's been beyond anything. You know, right now I'm studying with David Lonebear and like helping him is like, that's, that's the thing that I feel called to do. Yes. And if it changes, I'll change it. And I am enthusiastic right. as heck about it. And you should come and if it resonates with you, come get some. It's awesome if you like the podcast share it you know what i mean if you hate it keep it to yourself don't tell me i'm too sensitive <laughs> um but yeah man i i honor your work and that's that's the path and there was so much uh, beautiful wisdom in here so thank you so much for your work and what you're doing and i and i look forward to staying in touch definitely definitely man thank you so much for everything today my pleasure see you, everybody peace Oh, right. There it is, guys. The incredible Joe Williams. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I got all lit up. Joe was just such an awesome guy. He is such a wealth of knowledge and inspiration and very humble and very kind and authentic and all the things that I like and think he's amazing. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode. If you want to support and help get the vibe out there, best thing you can do is one act of kindness today if not three acts of kindness go out of your way to do it don't tell anybody then you're a spiritual master each and every day that's how you do it um, but on top of that you could share this episode really great you can leave a review in itunes if you want to support that is very helpful and you can become a patron that would be super great just go to patreon.com forward slash matt belair even if you support the work for a buck um, forget lots of people to do that then i can do this for a living which i'm kind of doing anyway but uh i can do other things like drive a car, 
which will be dope. Um, so that's like random stuff. But uh, I'm excited about all the things to come. Burning Man was such an amazing experience. Um, I'm so privileged to, you know, see all the amazing things that I've been able to do this summer with uh, David Lombert, Senapass, with going to Burning Man, with all the things that I'm learning, with uh, the feedback on the podcast and the reviews and seeing it get out there and, and seeing it impact people in the community. That's what it's about. So if you want to leave a review or write me a story or get involved somehow, uh, just let me know. Um, David Lombert, Senapass, I'm working very closely with to help him. Uh, he's truly an extraordinary being. You can go to Lombert's Arts. Uh, we're looking at putting another balloon into space. He has technology from the ancient copper scrolls that we're looking to build. Some of it is incredible. We can't talk too much about it, but if you know any angel investors, if you know anybody who wants to make a difference in the world, um, please send me an email and I'll send you a little package with David's stuff because we are looking for help. Um, and next year it's going to be off. This is, you know, we're going to be going to three, we were invited to three major conferences um, and we're going to be sharing more. And Clifford Mahuti, the Zuni elder, is going to start sharing things that he's never shared before as well. So pretty amazing stuff coming out from those guys. Um, I want to thank you all for listening to this episode. Um, check out Zen Athlete if you haven't. Sign up for the email list, subscribe, do all that kind of fun stuff. These episodes are on YouTube as well. Um, I'm just getting back in the swing of these things after Burning Man, so I don't know how these edits are coming out, but uh, I just want to send my love and my gratitude to you guys. Um, check out The Heart Journey if you haven't yet. It's basically hypnotizing you to um, get in, into the direction of what a fulfilling, uh, incredible life would be for you from your heart, and that's a free thing. You can just go to matt at zenathlete.com and ask me for that, and I will send it your way. And that's it. I'm just going to kind of close it out. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I'm sending you all of my love and support. So before we get out of here, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Holding that breath. And just letting it out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Taking in another deep breath in through your nose. And just recognizing that you have life force, divine life force breathing into you. Connected to all spirit and nature. And just let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Take it one more deep breath in through your nose. And this time, just really connect to the feeling of gratitude, of love, of abundance, of life, of creation. And just remember right now that you are an infinite, eternal, multidimensional, amazing creator being. That you are whole, worthy, capable of anything that you can imagine here. And you have a lifetime to do that. It doesn't happen over one day. It happens over a lifetime. That you can create whatever you can imagine to start to dream big, to realize that you're enough and you can create anything. Um, to know that you are supported by spirit, to know that you are not alone and that you are awesome. And I'm sending you all of my love, support, energy, well wishes, inspiration, encouragement, enthusiasm, brothership, uh, support, gratitude for you being here, for being on the planet, for trying to better yourself, for just existing, for being a part of this global community. So thank you for who you are. Thank you for everything that you do. And uh, I love and I appreciate you. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you.